0: everybody. What's happening? And welcome to another episode of the GCSAA podcast brought to you in partnership with our friends at Bear Environmental Science. I'm your host, Scott Hollister, the editor in chief of GCM magazine, and I am psyched that you have joined us for yet another episode of this podcast. And I think we have a good one in store for you. We are going to take a look back at the 2019 Golf Industry Show, kind of through the eyes and more accurately, the uh, voices of uh, some of the folks who were on hand to uh, provide coverage of the event for us. And uh, uh, that includes uh, John McGinnis and Brian Katrick from Katrick and McGinnis on Tap on Sirius XM's PGA Tour Radio. They were live from San Diego. Well, at least John McGinnis was live. Uh, Brian uh, joined by... But one of the interviews they conducted, there's a really good one with the winner of the 2019 GCSAA Golf Championship, and that is Steve Gilley. He is the superintendent at Panorama Golf Club in Conroe, Texas. And a really interesting story about how uh, Steve came to a career in golf course uh, management, how he won the tournament. So I think you're going to enjoy that conversation between uh, John and uh, Steve Gilly, And my thanks to the folks um, over at SiriusXM PGA Tour Radio for giving us permission to, uh, to share that interview with you. We also have a couple of interviews that were conducted by GCSA-TV on GCSA-TV Live, which was the live online coverage that was provided uh, from the Golf Industry Show. And the first of those interviews um, is on Mindful Leadership, and it was a really popular seminar while we were in San Diego. And it featured Chris Tritabaugh, the superintendent at Hazeltine National Golf Club in Chaska, Minnesota, Uh, You may know it, the host of the uh, last uh, U.S. Ryder Cup. And also Paul McCormick, who is the superintendent and general manager at Fox Meadow Golf Course on Prince Edward Island, Canada. And as I said, uh, those two led it what was a really popular session on mindfulness and on mindful leadership for superintendents. So I think you'll enjoy the conversation those two had with Frank Rossi, who was the host of that uh, particular segment on GCSAA TV Live. And he also conducted the other interview that we're gonna share, and that is with the winner of the 2019 USGA Green Section Award. Mr. Mike Huck. Mike's a uh, turfgrass irrigation specialist, really well known in the business. And I think you're going to uh, to like that conversation as you learn uh, his reaction to winning that prestigious award and uh, some of the things that he has done in his illustrious career. So uh, our thanks again to GCSA TV, the folks over at Epic Creative, and our thanks to Sirius XM's PGA Tour Radio uh, for their help in providing these interviews that we're going to feature on this episode the sixth episode of the gcsa podcast but as i mentioned earlier we are being presented in partnership uh, with bear we want to thank them for their support of the podcast they had a a great uh, time in san diego based on my conversations with a lot of the bear folks that i saw while we were there Um, and they had a lot of big news most notably the announcement that they are going to be hosting the inaugural North American Women in Golf event, which is going to be September 18th through the 20th in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, We're going to tell you much more about that event, about what took place in San Diego uh, for Bayer. But if you do want more information on that big event, that inaugural North American Women in Golf event, you're going to want to head over to es.bear.us slash women-in-golf. Dash Dash Always hard to read those URLs when you are on a podcast, but that is where you will get much more information. Application details will be coming um, this spring uh, for that event, but stay tuned. We'll have more on that as the podcast rolls along. But for now, we're going to get things started, and we're going to begin this month's podcast with that interview with Steve Gilley, Mr. John McGinnis from SiriusXM PJ Tour Radio, And the winner of the 2019 GCSAA Golf Championship, Steve Gilley. Hope you enjoy it. Escape's gonna begin us on tap.
1: Our next guest doesn't have the answer to the question we just asked before the break, but we're gonna get to that. He might, he's had caddies before. (laughs) He does, however, at one point in time, have the lowest verified round of golf ever recorded on a regulation golf course three Eagles, 10 Birdies, a 55. Come on! For Steve Gilly, who is sitting right next to Tom uh, to John McGinnis. He might, could be sitting next to somebody, somebody named Tom, too. I don't, <laughs> don't know <laughs> who, to know to who Tom around. McGinnis is, but, but he not would not love to that, have Steve Gilly next to him. Yeah, as, as great as that introduction was, you left out the fact that he is now a national champion as well. He has won the Golf Course Superintendent Association of America's annual golf tournament. Uh, shot a couple over par. Congratulations. Thanks. I appreciate it. Were you nervous? Uh,
2: I was a little nervous. I hadn't played a lot of competition in a long time. Um, so, yeah, it, my putter was a little shaky. But uh,
1: Now, you and I knew each other 20 years ago. Yep. Right? yep. Uh, when you were playing yep. all over the place. Uh, I was
2: playing all over. Played 13 years professionally. Um, mostly on the mini tours. A little bit on the buy.com right. or whatever. Never made it on the tour. But uh, just fought, you know chased it forever and loved take, every minute of it.
1: Take us through the progression from there to uh, where you are now eventually you had to say alright I gotta go home and get a job
2: yes yeah I, uh, I was still playing uh, to, up, to, up until like seven years ago um, my family and I had moved to Houston for my wife's job and I just wasn't making money I had some injuries and, and being away from my family I just just made a decision um, I needed to do something else and I had worked on the golf course my whole life in the summers and, you know, did odd jobs on the course. So I, I, was, I knew a little bit about it, uh, and I just went to a course and, and put a resume in and started out in the bottom. Uh, worked my way up, um, started out as a spray tech, and uh, became a first assistant, and then uh, two years ago got my first superintendent job. So it's been a great progression. Uh, I miss, miss competing, miss playing, but, you know, I'm still on the golf course, still in the business. Um, my family, you know, loves me being home every night. Sure. Uh, they probably don't like you getting up that early in the morning. Well, I get out of there, you know. They don't <laughs> miss all the, uh, I got two girls, so it's, I try to get out of there as quick as I can, but, yeah, it's, it's great, you know. We're, we're living a good life. I, that, I, that,
1: that is fabulous. Yes, yes. Uh, you got your amateur status back.
2: Uh, not technically not yet no, not yet, but i mean i haven 't played in anything at all i just uh they passed a... I um, asked i asked if I could play in this thing you know as being a full time superintendent that 's what i do uh, sure. I just never got my amateur status back, so i don 't compete in any professional events or anything just
1: or any amateur events yes yeah i't yeah, competed
2: at all i haven 't competed at all really well, you just had to be uh did you sleep last night? yeah, I slept you know okay. I, you know expectations right? you know sure. I felt like you know i 'm a good player and uh, have played good in the past, but it 's different when you 're not playing every day and uh, your swing is a little shaky, your putter's a little shaky, so I uh, just fought my way around, hit a lot of fairways, a lot of greens, you know just it was tough out there, and uh, i 'm really, really proud of, of of actually playing and and playing decent. Um, you know it it's a hard game it is really hard, hard game <laughs> and, and i i played for so long and it's just you know you have your ups and downs um you know
1: can you still move it out there
2: i can't you know I, i'm 47 now and just i lost a lot of distance but you know i can get it you know decent Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can hit it 290 if if I if I get. BK. it. <laughs> help if me I out get here. some roll, if I if there's no rain. I can't.
1: What am I going to do to help you? out? <laughs> I, mean, I can't. Hit I lost a, a bunch of distance. I can hit it 290. <laughs> lost a lot of. <laughs> I, I was I walked with Kevin Kisner at the featured groups coverage this yes, past weekend. Yeah. He's 166th on the PGA Tour in driving distance at 293.
2: Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I know Kevin real well. Played a lot That's of golf crazy. with Kevin. Yeah. I mean, he
1: can yeah. move it. Can move it. 293 guys are just knocking it 30 by him Uh, I also walked with Cameron Champ yes yes. Cam Champ hit it 60 by Justin Thomas golly that's amazing 376 off the 18th tee uh, on Friday and Justin Thomas looked at me and said what the heck is that I was like, "That's what we were saying about you two, <laughs> two three years ago." Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it is crazy. So, how proud are you? I mean, you have to be thrilled. Yes, you held I, it together. Were there I, any stumbles like we yeah, did yesterday?
2: Yeah, I was. I was fighting it. I missed a couple of short putts early, mm-hmm. and and just got lost my confidence a little bit. And I didn't make a birdie. I just made three bogeys and all pars um those last stretch is really into the wind it's blowing 20 yes. 25 you guys got wet too didn't yeah you? we got wet and then you know on and off rain and it's probably 80 in, in houston today wasn't it probably it's been raining for three months there so it's probably beautiful today but um but yeah i was just trying to you know fight it along and 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 you make some pars uh really to be honest with you and I'm really proud of uh, of you know showing up and being yeah. able to play. You know that, that that's that's being able to compete. You know you know I mean compete is what it's all about. Yes. Whether you you got the game or not anymore, you're out there competing, right?
1: Yeah. I, I, that that uh that impulse is gone for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but I do I do get yeah it. I, I mean, mean I do understand mm-hmm. it. It's I love playing. Sure. You know?
2: Yeah. I mean that's what we grew up doing, right? And, yeah and trying to shoot the lowest score. And How often do you play? I play, uh, uh, I play three days going into this tournament in a row. And before that, that it had been a month. Before <laughs> that, it had probably been a month. But, you know, I try to prepare a little bit. But I, I just, if I don't have anything to play for, I just don't have the drive. You know, when I was playing and, you know, trying to make money and you, oh, get, yeah. you get up in the morning and you want to practice. Now, I mean, I hadn't hit a range ball in a year. Really? No, I just I'll go out and play, but I, I just won't practice anymore. I I just don't don't enjoy it. I understand. <laughs> no, no, I understand. Practicing's overrated. I, I've I've discovered that I I don't mind hitting twenty
1: or thirty balls, right, right. you know, just to get the golf muscles loose. Yes. that's
2: it. That's all I want. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not gonna stand out there and grind and try to hit. Shots. I can, go, I can go putt for an hour, though. Yeah, I, I like putting. Putt. Yeah, I enjoy putting. But you
1: were always good at
2: it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, I,
1: enjoy this. Yeah. What do you hope to get out of the show? Now that you're the the man in charge at. P- yeah,
2: P- I mean, uh, see the new products, and uh, you know, network, see some people, and uh, see a lot of my reps. You know, and. Uh, you guys take a lot of classes while you're here. Too. Yeah, I've got some education tomorrow. I'm hoping to learn some about some drainage and. Uh, I work in a municipal course, so it's city owned, and I'm taking a municipal class. You know, trying to learn how to make more money, and uh, sure. so it's uh, it's been great. You know, everybody's been great, very supportive. Uh, we got five of us staying in the house, and you know, giving each other you know the needle every night. So it, it's going to be fun to go back to those guys. And that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're going to have a good time, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, congratulations. It's great Thanks, to John. You. I appreciate it. Well done. You got it. That
1: is uh, Steve Gilley. He is the national champion of the GCSAA BK. That is is really cool.
0: My thanks once again to Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio and Katrick and McGinnis on tap for allowing us to share with you the interview with Steve Gilley, the winner of the 2019 GCSAA Golf Championships. Hope you enjoyed that. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we are being presented in partnership with everyone over at Bear and had a chance to uh uh to chat with a lot of those folks during the golf industry show in San Diego. Uh got a great uh Uh, Some great feedback from them on the partnership with this podcast and some of the things uh, that they had going on in San Diego. As most of you know, Bear is a company that is fully committed uh, to advancing the golf course management industry by developing innovative turf solutions, fostering diversity of thought and providing opportunities for continued education. And they sure lived, uh, uh, lived that in San Diego with a number of educational panels that were hosted uh, in the Bear Booth, including a women in golf panel, which featured uh, four female leaders in the industry who engaged in candid conversation about challenges and opportunities in golf course management, a big crowd on hand for that event in the Bear Booth. And it was really a great introduction uh, to one of the announcements that Bayer made in San Diego, and I mentioned that earlier, and that was the announcement that they would be hosting the inaugural North American Women in Golf event, September 18th through the 20th in Raleigh, North Carolina. Now, this event is going to bring together women in turf from across the U.S. and Canada for a discussion on diversity in golf course management. Dr. Jacqueline Applegate, who is the global head of Bayer Environmental Science, will present the event's keynote, uh, which will inspire discussion focused on leading industry transformation by empowering women and reinforcing the importance of recognizing and harnessing one's own strengths. Um, throughout the event, attendees will be have an opportunity to engage in dialogue. Uh, there'll be working sessions and presentations on leadership, uh, and they will also Take a guided tour of uh, a uh, location that I've visited uh, many times, and that's the Bear Education and Research Facility located in nearby Clayton, uh, North Carolina. To get more information on this event, you're going to need to go online. Head over to es.bear.us slash women-in-golf. And there will be more information on the event posted there, uh, including uh, information on how you can apply to attend this event. And uh, more details on all of that will be coming this spring. But once again, uh, great uh, move by Bear. Uh, I know that uh, GCSAA is looking forward to supporting them in this endeavor. It's the inaugural. North American Women in Golf events set for September 18th through the 20th in Raleigh, North Carolina. So uh, as we move on here on the GCSA podcast, our next segment, and we're going to feature a interview with Mike Huck, who is the winner of the 2019 USGA Green Section Award. And uh, once again, our thanks to uh, GCSA TV for sharing this uh, interview between Frank Rossi and Mike Huck.
3: I'm at the Golf Industry Show in San Diego, it's 2019. This is the GCSA TV uh, live stage here, brought, brought to you by Lebanon Turf, and I'm with my good old friend, Wisconsinite Mike Cuck, the 2019 recipient of the USGA Green Section Award. And Mike, and we're in your neck of the woods, congratulations first of all on the award, and uh, just. How! what a great deal it must have been for Kimberly to make the call to say to you uh, what was that like when you heard about getting this award?
4: Oh gosh when I got the phone call I, would, I had no idea why Kimberly was calling and she was making small talk oh, how you doing how's things going and all this and I'm like oh she needs, some, she needs me to speak at a meeting somewhere or something you know and, and uh, she said I'm just sorting out some loose ends here at Golf House and I want to let you know you won the green section award and I just kind of stopped and froze and I I had no idea. (laughs) It's so great. And I said, you know, I I a little bit feel like my old boss, Bill Benjafield, who was a national director and they gave him the award one year that shouldn't be eligible being a past employee of the USGA and she said oh don't worry it's got nothing to do with yeah. being an agronomist yeah, on staff. Yeah
3: thankfully you were a terrible an agronomist right? Yeah, yeah, so apparently no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you've done such great work since. Now uh, one of the things we were talking off stage that must have been cool was when it gets announced right? It gets oh. announced. So tell, tell
4: what's that like? Well they, they set it up to get a photographer to come out and take pictures for the announcement so I knew it was coming but I didn't know when exactly and I got an email on a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. And for the next two and a half days, all I did was respond to emails, phone calls, text messages, Twitter messages, Facebook messages. I could not believe the people that sent me a... Uh, Congratulatory yeah. and message. And of course it's
3: a measure of your impact. Now I thought we I thought you told me, did you bother to look at who's gotten this award? Oh uh, gosh. That's a yeah, pretty uh, good name list of
4: names there. I looked at that list of names and I looked at people that I've looked to in the industry right. locally, nationally, and things like that as right. the leaders, and I just could not believe I'm gonna be added to that yeah. list. That was just unbelievable. Yeah,
3: and so big congratulations for that. And Thank you got you. it, I would say because from the minute you left the USGA that I sort of knew you immediately got involved in one of the single most important issues that's facing our industry and that's water. Yeah. Right? Starting with you know, how do we get the water applied in a uniform way, right? That is using it most efficiently. So talk a little bit about your early entry back into the business from your time as a a schleppy agronomist with the the green section.
4: Well, my whole intention was that there wasn't enough focus being put on water by anybody, and I knew that California, it was just a matter of it when and not if we're gonna enter a drought and the golf industry is gonna be impacted. So I knew there was a niche to carve there. I knew there was other things I could be doing too. Uh, if need be. And I figured if it didn't work out and we didn't have a drought in time, I'd go back to being a superintendent somewhere. <laughs> okay. We had a drought in time. So. But no, all, all kidding aside, uh, actually, I started out working with uh, full coverage irrigation, which is now distributed by Underhill Company, uh, their nozzles, their aftermarket nozzles for improving older systems. Right. I was doing a lot of work with recycled water sites and engineering firms right. that are retrofitting golf courses. Right. And along that way, the whole thing kind of kicked off with my social media presence yeah. and stuff. Right here in San Diego about 10 or 15 years ago, the state water board or the regional water board down here was gonna put the one molecule rule in effect on recycled water right. where okay. if one drop left your property and got in the storm sewer and polluted the ocean, you're gonna be held liable for a fine. Okay. And I called up a contact I had at the San Diego County Water Authority and said, Is this for real? And <laughs> and she said, Yeah. And I said, Would it do any good to rally the troops and show up at a meeting or something and raise the roof a little bit? She says, yeah. It's certainly not going to hurt. So we uh, got an email list going of superintendents down to San Diego and mm-hmm. South Orange County. It's this is pre Twitter. This is pre much of those
3: things, right? Yeah.
4: And w- we got a group of superintendents go down there and we. Had a actually a American Golf Corporation sent one of their attorneys they had on retainer, oh and he spoke for the group and the uh, board, who are volunteers, that are picked by the governor yeah, to yeah. serve. Turned to the staff and said, "You need to re-examine this." And I learned a valuable lesson right there that you got to get involved early right. before the rules are made. Right. And so this rule hadn't been finalized yet. So so so,
3: so right out of your work with the USGA, you get yourself involved in advocating for a really important issue for the industry. And I gotta believe when Pat Gross nominated you for this, that was part of his package that you were able to lead people through what was a really important issue that if we didn't get that, would have really hurt the industry down
1: here. I
4: I assume that probably all had something to do with it, plus everything I did through the drought, I became one of the spokespeople for the state that was referred to. I got calls from Associated Press writers, I got calls from uh, television news, All kinds of interviews. So, we're really
3: grateful that we got somebody who knows what he's talking about, that people are calling and you're representing our industry, right? So, that's enough uh, talking about how great (laughs) it is being you these days. (laughs) But let's talk about water. And, you know, we're in your neck of the woods. And, of course, we come from the Northeast. What does it do? It rains. Thank you very much. I had enough of that. Where I am, talk a little bit about how the water issues have developed in Southern California since you had that meeting. You've obviously stayed involved. It's been an informed process. You're a Twitter phenom, right? You're a Twitter, you're absolutely a Twitter phenom. And so, how has it evolved from a water perspective, uh, from your
4: perspective? Well, it basically goes back even to the a drought that started about 20 years ago on the Colorado River that a lot of people didn't even recognize was going on. Right. And Lake Mead and Lake Powell have been down to where you can see the you see the pictures now, they they yeah, publicize yeah. it more. Been down so far you can see the big bathtub ring of calcium carbonate around it. Huh. And I was I drove out there about fifteen or so years ago just get pictures of it, thinking this'll come to an end soon. Well it never has. Huh. Then when the drought hit California itself in the Sierra Nevada region and our reservoirs were down a few years back, it just made it all that much more. Uh, obvious that we needed to be paying closer attention. I, I've also read several books on the matter uh, Cadillac Desert being one right, of my favorites. Okay. It's old and it's a bit dated but right. it tells the whole story about water development in the west, right. construction all these reservoirs, the vision right. for everything right. and, and all that and so that's well, kind of and, been my guidance. And when I
3: think of how that translates into this industry right obviously I come from an area where it's virtually unheard of that you pay any kind of money for water that you feel you know, you know, you pay maybe for the electricity, you pay for electricity, and maybe you pay these little bit of withdrawal fees here and there, but you rarely see people more than four or five figures, right? right. Five figures would be unusual where I'm from. It's the norm out here to pay six figures or seven Seven figures figures for water, right? So when you have that kind of money involved, you know, that sounds like a lot of money, but we were laughing about your bottle of water, (laughs) you know, as we were getting ready. And You know, I'm going to want to talk about water when we come out. So golf course superintendents could spend $100,000 a month uh, on water. What are they paying on a per acre foot basis?
4: per acre here. foot basis, is, it's really bizarre. It runs the gamut. It'll run down in the desert, Palm Springs. Right? Right. It's $175 or thereabouts. Okay. Get over here on the coast, you're $1,500 to $2,500 an acre foot. You get up into the Bay Area, you get $3,500 to $4,500 an So it goes acre from foot. as
3: little as $175 in a desert yep. to $300. And and
4: th- th- that goes back to some <laughs> of the politics of California. We have this thing called uh, Prop 2... I forget the number Well, now. you guys just make but, them up and vote on them as you go. We do, and that's the problem. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a big problem, but big we won't problem. go there. Uh, <laughs> but they can't charge you more than it costs to serve you a utility and water, that's being right. one of those utilities right. on that list. And uh, down in the desert, it's groundwater, primarily, and then they import mm-hmm. Colorado River water to recharge the groundwater. So basically, you're paying for the cost to lift it, uh, or the cost to import it and pump it from the river. Uh, so that's at one hundred and seventy five bucks right, and then all the
3: way to thirty seven hundred dollars how much does that bottle of, how much that bottle of water cost you
4: ten million dollars <laughs> I did so, the math while ahead. we were while we were uh, waiting back there and and it's uh, just over a pint it was four dollars thirty two dollars a gallon times right. three hundred and twenty six thousand gallons roughly in an right. acre foot ten million dollars
3: okay so we talked about sort of your career there's a little bit a lot to talk about the environment now that you're an award winner and you know you got the color hair you and I are getting of you know and we're looking at closer to the uh, change you know the transition the end of our sort of active careers uh, and, and our other careers behind what do you what would you say at a golf industry show uh, what would you say to people of what you see moving forward from your perspective. Now now that you're this wise Green Section Award winner, what are the kinds of things you imagine we're gonna be faced with moving forward?
4: Oh, I I think the continued push to be using secondary quality or worse waters is going to pressure the industry. I think the industry has to keep moving forward with salt tolerant grasses and things like that. They're gonna be able to tolerate this type of stuff because it's a function of soil drainage as much as it is the water quality. So, So
3: let's talk about that. You think we're going to get to the point where they're going to have to say, I can't grow this grass anymore here with this water and change the grass?
4: It, it may be a point where they can't afford to grow it because of the cost of the water. Our water costs double every 10 years in Southern California. Ooh. That's the number that all the Is water districts will tell Is that starting to you.
3: lighten the golf course number? Are we seeing golf courses not stay in business because of that
4: yet? Well, the, yes, yes. And the decline in activity of golfers, you know, the decline declining greens fees and the popular excuse me popularity of the well the the, economics of golf
3: i mean golf is wouldn't be would you say it's thriving in southern california or it's just sort
4: of maintaining well we've lost uh there was an article i posted a few months back on twitter talked about about 15 golf courses down here in the san diego county area that have been closed over the years it's it's a driver it's one of those things that breaks your back because you got to pay for it whether you got one guy out there or no guys out there if you want to keep the golf course alive that's right and so that's the big thing. It's like you look at some of these courses in Phoenix and, and Vegas that are paying a million dollars a year. Think about that at 50,000 rounds, that's $20 a head. Just for the water. For the water. And you, just, you haven't even started the greens mowers yet.
3: That's correct. So obviously you're seeing that the economics are going to be more challenging. We're at a place where they were surrounded by a plethora of technology. What are you liking that you see here you'd like to see more guys doing on the technology end?
4: Well, I think as time goes by and the cost of technology always seems to fall over time, I think we're going to see more and more soil sensing units and things like that that can be permanently installed. Maybe one per sprinkler head or two per sprinkler head that'll kind of manage things uh, or at least give you more feedback.
3: So getting that data is going to change a little bit. What about head design? You know, I, I'm looking at some of the heads that are coming in these boxes now that you've got to put <laughs> in the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, Everything's protected. Can. Yeah, that, that whole deal. Uh, is that stuff, that stuff doesn't,
4: is you know, it changing a lot? Head designs change, they continue to strive to create better and better nozzling because really the nozzles and the sprinkler in combination because there's a a function of the two of them working together. It's not just one or the other all the time, but the two of them working together, distribute water uniformly is so critical Mm -hmm. to saving water. And I think that's where the manufacturers are focusing their efforts. The other stuff, the peripheral stuff, put them in the big box so they're easily to service. And that's a function of just maintenance. That's right. But as far as performance and and that and uh, conservation, it's really internal. And a lot of people don't even recognize that's no, going on because that goes nice. on behind the scenes that's right so listen did
3: uh we got to wrap it up here did you have the folks in wisconsin take this great award uh, uh sure there was it was quite a, a brat and a beer uh, shared yeah my
4: brothers my two brothers are golfers but they don't recognize what this means in the turf industry oh, bring them
3: to the award ceremony so, they'll see all the other fans so to explain golfers.
4: this to them i said this is like winning the u.s open of turf grass guys right. And I said, or more appropriately stated, the senior U.S. open of turf grass. <laughs> in your case. So, in my well, case, yeah. So,
3: so, listen, nothing but the best of health for you. Congratulations on this award. Thank you again. I have a feeling it might not be the last award that, that you actually <laughs> received, but most, I have to say, just to watch your career transition from the USGA, which was, of course, esteemed. I you know, really enjoyed it. Well, not according to Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now your impact with really one of the most important resources that we deal with, Mike. I hope you have a long, more career ahead of you and that you enjoy the rest of the show in San Antonio uh, soon.
4: Yeah. San Antonio, I think it's the 23rd. Saturday, last Saturday in February,
3: they get the award. Mike Huck, the award winner of the United States Golf Association, Green Section Award winner, here with me in Southern California, a longtime pal, Wisconsinite. This is Frank Rossi. I'm here at the Golf Industry Show 2019 in San Diego. This is the GCSA TV live stage presented by Lebanon Turf. We'll be right back. Well,
0: I hope you enjoyed that. It was a great interview with Mike Huck, the winner of the 2019 USGA Green Section Award as it was broadcast on GCSAA TV Live from San Diego. And we're going to keep the fun rolling with... Uh, content from GCSA TV Live. As we move into our final segment on this month's episode of the GCSAA podcast, and that is a, another interview uh, that Frank Rossi conducted. This one is on the topic of mindful leadership in golf course management, and it features two well-known superintendents, Chris Trittabaugh, Paul McCormick, and along with uh, everyone's favorite, Mr. Frank Rossi, and I hope you enjoy this one on mindful leadership.
3: Welcome back to the Golf Industry Show 2019 here in beautiful San Diego, California. This is the GCSA TV live stage here, brought to you by Lebanon Turf. And I'm with my great pals, Paul McCormick, the mindful superintendent, Chris Jerbaugh, superintendent at Hazeltine Golf Club, Fox Meadow Golf Club for Paul, right. Prince Edward Island. Hey, and Shaska, Shask- Minnesota, Shaska, Shask- 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 yep. Minnesota, right. Yep. None of those things matter because we're here to talk about the really important things which is our own well-being in many ways and the well-being of our staff which we feel, taking care of yourself, taking care of your people working with you, inherently the course will get taken care of and then I think you guys have a vision of maybe the whole industry will get taken care of in a new way and I know both of you have been very active in asserting yourselves along these lines You with the blog for a really long time. You more recently with, I think, what people have observed you doing in your management style and how these two things, completely separate, seem to come together now as a seminar. So let's start there. Paul, you taught for the second time, the seminar titled?
5: Well, it's funny because we actually changed the title about five minutes before we started this time and okay. called it simply Mindful Leadership. Mindful so, Leadership. Correct. So last year it was?
6: Mindfulness in the
5: millennials is uh, what we started with. How to right. use both to keep your sanity. Yes.
3: I think Mindful Leadership is Mindful Leadership is much better. Well, Chris is as much as better. better. That's yeah. great. Okay, yeah. so uh, last year I thought I heard about a packed crowd. Correct. Again, packed this year? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So uh, from your perspective, second time teaching it, changed the title. How'd it go?
5: It was spectacular, actually. Yeah. The response was, again, so humbling and overwhelming to just see a whole packed room full of people who actually are that interested in the concepts of balance and mindfulness and leadership and really creating the change within themselves to bring back to their golf
3: And the reason, you know, we're having this sort of, it's not like you walk up to anybody and say, hey, how was your seminar? Because what you're doing looks so different to I think what happens in other seminar rooms, yeah. did you have them closing their eyes and doing did. a little meditation today? Yes?
5: We managed to get through two separate stints of meditation. Excellent. There was a bit of yoga breathing going on. A bit of deep breathing going on. Excellent. And- it's always interesting because it's, it's generally that same blank stare you get when you exactly tell right. everyone that we're going okay, to do so it. <laughs> but by the time we finish the second round, everybody's dialed in and, and, and yeah, All it's, right. it's Full okay. participation. That's yeah, right. No so doubt. let's
3: start with you now because it seems like this part of it sort of tending to yourself and mindfulness, you've taken this in the way you manage your crew and staff and I know your life as well. What was the second time around like for you beyond the change of the title, which sounded like it was a good move?
6: Yeah. Um, you know, each seminar, and you'll know this from your experience, each seminar, even if the subject matter is the same, is a little bit different. That's right. And it's different because of the audience that's there. It's different because of the questions that come from the people who that's are right. sitting there. And that really, I think, for me, and I think when you get experience at doing this uh, on whatever the subject matter is, that, that, that's the fun part about it, is each one's a little bit different.
3: And you're different. You, you're. I'm different. When, when I come back and teach something, I haven't taught for a year, and yeah. I revisit the material. Right. I'm not looking at it the same. Yeah. Way in, in this case, right. And I know because both of you have gotten a lot of feedback of the stuff you do. Correct. You are able to pivot to it. So yeah. what was different then? What would you say um, you did different from your perspective this year?
6: Um, you know, sometimes I think there's a there's has been a fear in my giving that that talking about leadership and culture. And you look at the round the you look around the room. And I, I know the industry well enough to be, maybe you're a little fearful. You see a few people and you go, I don't know if this is going to resonate with them. But it's changing for me now because I go, look, you've, you've come here to see this. This is what you're going to get. <laughs> this is the message you're going to get. And um,
3: You think they know what they're signing up for when they do it? It's like, oh, Chris, I know Paul. I've read some of his stuff. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did the Ryder Cup. I'm going to go see what I he says. I think most maybe do. Maybe I'm going to learn how to get Ben
6: grass greens better. <laughs> I think most, most do. I think most know what they're getting. And I think some, maybe it's a surprise to them. Them, but I hope, yeah. that, uh, I hope that for everyone that's there, there's a nugget that they can take from it, even if it's one thing, two things. Paul always mm-hmm. mentions that. Uh, if it's one or two things that they can take away from there that, that will help them right. um, or help their staff or yeah, their yeah, course, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. then we're winning them. Well,
3: so, so from my perspective, it sounds like, uh, and I know this from having so many conversations with you about it, that there are things that are beginning to resonate, that things yep. you know you say and I know from speaking in front of people, that when you say it, they got it. It's not all the time, but it seems like two things are happening. One is you guys are couching this thing from two people well-respected as superintendents to other people as superintendents, and also they're open to it, right? Right. They're sitting in there. So there has to be a little bit of both. I know from my experience, I say a lot of things no one's open to. (laughs) And so sometimes that sort of doesn't fit. What's resonating? Why is this resonating?
5: I think the talk itself resonates well because of how we've structured it because of starting with the mindfulness starting with just deconstructing what it means to be a person not just a superintendent mm-hmm. and how we're all in it together we all suffer from time to time yeah yeah and we all need to work together to help ourselves together but there's a and
3: listen there's a part of this that we have to talk openly about one is we, I was here with the we one this morning, right? And it's clear there's medical issues that people confront and, and it challenges yep. them. We're talking about a different health issue. We're talking, in my opinion, about mental health mm-hmm. to a certain Correct. extent. Mm-hmm. How we have to take care of ourselves emotionally. It's not something, either as men, as superintendents, or otherwise, is normally talked about, right? The, oh, you're Correct. soft. Oh, you're this. So you've been able to sort of internalize it from you know, a way that makes it work in your career, right? And I know you're with your staff as well. You've taken that message and tried to sort of make it part of the fabric of your operation at a pretty high level that's the part I want to hear you chat about yeah. how that's resonating well
6: and so Paul you know Paul talks about opening up space for yourself to, to give yourself a, a bit of a break and then I come in on the the second half of the talk and and say okay the, well a lot of people might say I don't I don't have the time and the space to give to myself because I'm so busy and you know I got to run around all day long and, and watch my staff because otherwise nobody's gonna do the kind of work that I want them to do right. and so that's where I come in on the on the on the back side of it and say okay, look, this is what we're doing at Hazeltine and this is what we've had success with and how a, a leadership and, and culture, you know, builds on itself and, and right. gains momentum and, sure. and you create this wonderful experience where you have a, a, rather than having a bunch of staff, you have a bunch of leaders right. completing roles throughout the day right. throughout the month and the season. Yep. And it makes your job as the, the superintendent much, much easier. And or at least less stressful less stressful yeah. and I think our our industry is so focused on many industries but ours in particular is so focused on busyness as a badge of honor right and yeah. um, and you know that's that we need to get away from that. We need to understand that you know a quality product can be created by someone who doesn't feel like they're always busy.
3: Well, that's right yeah. and, and I can't help but lead this now to and I wonder if you included your nap tweet from this
6: year. <laughs> you know, did nap, that make it to the seminar? Nap did not Napping come up in the seminar. Up. It did, it did not, not, but you know
3: I I love it because to me that's such a wedge issue because of the busyness we right. have, right? And you know there's certainly times in every superintendent's Year of grown grass or managing an operation where you 're not taking a nap you 're just pretty busy most of the day mm-hmm. it 's a pretty important time, pretty important day. you actually say hey man i 'm this is I can do this because i 'm taking care of myself but also because I got a staff that knows what they're doing. Right. If yeah. I got to run around and watch them, what do I need them for? Yeah. I mean, it, it, there is this sense, and I wonder—it didn't come up in the seminar. You, no one seems but me to keep bringing you, it you up. You love it. You I love do it. because yeah. to me, it—it it really highlighted. Though. Remember,
5: there was to me that was the response. Remember yeah. the response? Totally, but it didn't come up like as a as a wedge issue. But we did bring it up multiple times about how creatively and purposefully inserting a mindful pause through your day whether you're taking a nap whether you're meditating quietly whether you're gone for a walk anything you're doing allows you that space that Chris touched on to regroup and follow through on your day because
3: invariably we don't do it and then what happens we're yelling at someone yeah. We're critical of something. Right. We're not given that positive reinforcement that builds confidence, mm-hmm. that builds trust, right? That builds yeah. empowerment in, in your organization. Right. So, you know, obviously you finished up the seminar for the second year, wildly successful. Um we had a little moment this past fall that we got to participate in uh, with uh, um, some support from Syngenta Canada and our pal Dave Kuypers uh, funded this idea of taking a select group of superintendents uh, into a remote location. I know you live there. It is, in yeah. fact, a remote. hate to break it to you. It is. It is a remote location where you can immerse yourself in just quiet yep. and take away the business for a minute And so why don't you talk a little bit about sort of how that came about, and then we'll talk about how it all went.
5: Well, again, it was one of those things that started as a kernel of an idea. And through Chris and I speaking together and refining the message through the seminars, all of a sudden it became a more palatable idea. And then once we got the funding from Syngenta, and once we were able to get together and sit down and decide on the people we thought would really lend a lot to the first and be yeah. ambassadors And yeah. be ambassadors. Yeah. Because yeah. that was something we had decided on right out of the gate, that this message is not about Chris and I going around telling everyone what to do. This is about us planting a seed and allowing the people to take it home and tend it the way right. they see fit.
3: So we hope a lot coming from that moving forward, but what, I would, what really touched me was that some of our colleagues that were there uh, really needed it. Yeah. It looked like it was the, the right thing at the right time for yeah. several of the attendees from from my perspective. Now, you know from hanging around with me, you see me for periods of time and then Frank disappears like Batman, Yeah. because I got my own
6: introverted things I can, I'm working I through. Could, uh, so, so, something I, mean, I can appreciate. I, I
3: really, really like the fact that it was immersed, it was remote, it, it, it yeah. was r- the right thing at the right time. So we gotta wrap up soon, I hate to break it to you, uh, quicker than I wanted to. So. What is the next step for these ideas? I mean, I'm thinking there's a lot of chapters throughout the United States that could benefit from a retreat type of an approach, right, for uh, superintendents and their local associations. What do you think is the best way to keep this moving? Well, what I know. Because it can't just be seminars and you run yeah. around because there's not
6: enough of you to. No. And what, one thing I do know is that we need a bigger room at GIS next yeah. year because that <laughs> thing. going so we'll make probably, that note to yeah, Amanda. We, we will need a make bigger that room. note. I will let Amanda know. Uh, but, but I think that it, it does need to. We need to have some continuation. And Paul's worked really hard on that. And I've, you know, we, you and I have both yes, offered of input. Course. And those who were. But a part you of it see, this year, for
3: sure, there's a need to start to get this message. Sure. Yeah. So I think one of the ideas we've been floating around is looking for sponsorship for these kinds of local association retreats that can be led in a way like you'd lead your seminar. But when we did that long go away and, and, and the island, mm-hmm. that lot of space you get away from your normal life, yeah. I think for me really resonated yeah. with how much peacefulness I felt sort of after that fact. And we well, could, I don't know why we got to wrap up. No, <laughs> no, one's, no one's paying attention. I'm not going to wrap it up. You're still paying you. attention Good, okay So so Jeez. We have I, Listen, I personally have An enormous amount of hope For both of you guys To continue Very successfully with this For something that, again We don't talk about enough From a mental health perspective Right, right. And let's hope that There are more people Who hear this message And the 12 ambassadors We were during that time That message is starting to resonate So I'm going to thank you On behalf of everybody For doing such a great job at this And sure. really appreciate you Joining me this afternoon afternoon
6: yeah thanks Thank for you. having thanks us for the trip. trip travel yes. safe back
3: frank rossi here on the gcsa tv live stage at the golf industry show 2019 brought to you by lebanon turf i guess we're going to see everybody tomorrow thanks very much see you then
0: Hope you enjoyed that interview uh, from GCSAA TV Live at the Golf Industry Show in San Diego with Chris Tritabaugh and Paul McCormick on the topic of mindful leadership in golf course management. That is a subject that is uh, getting more and more attention. Uh, among superintendents in the field. And, and I think it's an important uh, important one uh, to to think about as we look at the long-term health and future of of the industry. Really important uh, to uh, to keep everyone's uh, mental uh, state of mind as sharp as possible. And so good stuff there from Chris Tritabaugh and Paul McCormick. Well, that about wraps it up for another episode of the GCSA podcast. Uh, I thank you for tuning in and listening. Um, I hope you are sharing the existence of this podcast with your colleagues, with your friends, with those that work with you on staff. Uh, you can always subscribe. Uh, to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast, whether that might be uh, iTunes or through Spotify, through Google Podcast, Stitcher. Uh, you can also head on over to the GCSAA website and and find it there. But we appreciate all the support. We appreciate all of our subscribers. I'd ask you to go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. It really does help us when you do this. I want to thank everyone at uh, SiriusXM PGA Tour Radio and Katrick and McGinnis on tap for their Help and cooperation with the first segment on this month's podcast, and our friends at Epic Creative and GCSA TV for sharing some of the audio from the GCSA TV Live content that they produced from San Diego. So, thanks to all of them. Also, want to thank Evan Bissell, our podcast producer. I want to thank the GCSA Board of Directors, the staff, and everyone here at GCSA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas, who support this podcast. The GCSA podcast is presented in partnership once again with Bear Environmental Science. They announced in San Diego the uh, first North American Women in Golf event, which will be September 18th through the 20th in Raleigh, North Carolina. You can get more information on that event by going to es.bear.us slash women dash in dash golf and applications for that event will uh, be available coming this spring. Once again, thanks to our friends at Bear for their sponsorship of this podcast. So on behalf of everyone here at GCSAA, the board of directors, all of our friends and everyone who helped with this episode, I'm Scott Hollister. Thanks for tuning in. And I look forward to speaking with you again on a future episode of the GCSAA podcast.